Hello and welcome to the Positive Choices Podcast, where we give you brain-based strategies to help children make positive choices, solve social problems, regulate strong feelings, and thrive. I'm Lindsay Keeley, a social and emotional learning specialist and your host. In today's episode, we're talking about empathy, and more specifically, we're talking about how you can use social stories as a means for helping children develop empathy. We'll also touch on egocentrism and how this plays a role in the development of this important skill. Let's get started. Hi there. Thanks so much for joining me. We took a couple of weeks off and we were working on some really fun projects, one of which is developing books. And we currently have the Positive Choices curriculum for teachers and families, but now we're diving into the creation of small books, little bite-sized chunks of information that both teachers and families can read to kids, and it teaches different skills, but kind of one at a time. And so our most recent one is Pug Solves a Problem, and that is available on Amazon. And that was really fun to write, and it just takes the concepts of how to solve problems, what's involved when you repair with someone after a problem, and it makes it in a little book that you can read in one sitting. And within that book, there's also QR codes that takes you to a special website website we made that has PDF downloads. And so that was something that was really fun to make. And now we just finished creating another book, which is called Bear's ABC book. And it teaches kids the letters of the alphabet. So this is really a preschool through kindergarten book. And it teaches kids the letters of the alphabet, the sounds that these letters make, but it's within the context of teaching them important social skills, like how to be responsible, taking calming breaths, how to make healthy choices. And we also include QR codes to different YouTube videos that we've made that teach these different skills. And this is also going to be available on Amazon. We have not yet released our launch date, but if you follow us over on Instagram or Facebook, we will be making different announcements like when that launch date is, as well as some book talks and behind the scenes previews. So definitely make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Positive Choices, and positive is spelt with a P-A-W. So this has been such a fun project to work on, and yet through this process, my little podcast has probably been feeling neglected, so it's good to be back on the podcast and diving into some more concepts. And this podcast episode really is a throwback to the days when I learned about child development and human development. My first degree is a bachelor's of science in human development and family studies. And I really had an emphasis in child development. And there was something that totally blew my mind when I was in this degree program. And it was the concept of egocentrism in childhood. And when you hear someone say that a person is being egocentric, what is the first thought that comes to your mind? It's likely that you thought selfish, like if someone's egocentric, they're all about themselves, they're not thinking about others, there's kind of this negative connotation. However, when we think about the concept of egocentrism in childhood, it has a completely different meaning and more importantly, it has different implications for how we work with children and how we help them move through this important stage of development. And to understand this, I'm going to talk really quickly about a developmental researcher named Piaget and my child development professor. If you're listening to this, 
Thank you for teaching me all about these different theorists. <laughs> Hope to make you proud in this episode. Um, so Piaget was a Swiss developmental psychologist, and he studied children in the early 20th century. And what he did is he developed a theory of intellectual or cognitive development. He ended up publishing that in 1936. And this theory is actually still used today in different branches of psychology and education. And what this theory does is it focuses on children starting from birth through adolescence and on through adulthood. And it talks about different stages of development. And these stages include memory, language, morals, and reasoning. And Piaget outlined four stages. It starts with sensory motor, and that is birth to 18 to 24 months. Then it goes on to pre-operational, which is two to seven years old. Then it's concrete operational, which is seven to 11 years old. And then finally, there's formal operational, and this is really adolescence to adulthood. And with each of these stages, there are different characteristics and different goals that children are able to achieve as their brains develop, as they interact with other humans and have different important experiences that really build their brain and help them develop as a human. And one hallmark of the pre-operational stage of development that Piaget outlines is egocentrism. And this really refers to a child's inability to see a given situation from someone else's point of view. And when we're talking about an egocentric child, this is not a diss or saying anything negative about children that are progressing through the stage of development. It just means that they're forming their own viewpoints, they're developing their memory and imagination. And at this point in time, they do have difficulty thinking outside of their own viewpoints. And this is actually a good thing. We want children to be able to come up with viewpoints. We want them to really understand their own emotional landscape. They're forming this cohesive narrative of how they experience the world. So helping children really understand other people's point of view is a natural stage. This is another skill they're building. When we think about children as they're learning how to walk, a lot of us aren't thinking, oh my gosh, I can't believe this child just fell down again and they're crawling. Why aren't they walking With when you're thinking about a little, a little baby? Um, we just know inherently that children learn how to walk. This is a part of development and our job is to help support them and see them through as they're working through the skill. And likewise, just as we learn how to walk, we also learn how to take on others' viewpoint. And so as a kindergarten teacher, and when I was working in preschools, it is a lot easier, I think, to understand children who are learning how to walk versus those when they're in the stage of that pre-operational stage, trying to uh, move through that egocentric state. For instance, when I was teaching kindergarten, when you see a child who's yelling at someone else saying that's my toy and pushing them down or having different behaviors that from the outside look like oh my gosh, we know in our classroom, we've talked about sharing, that's not okay. And um, we have these expectations of children. And of course, it's important to have those expectations. And also it's important to teach children why we share, why we take turns. Because if we look inside the mind of a young child, they're thinking, I'm having quite a good time playing with it. And obviously everyone else thinks it's important for me to have a good time playing with it. And 
we have the opportunity to teach them, oh, guess what, buddy? We have other friends in the classroom and they also want to play. They also would like a turn. So this isn't something that just comes naturally to children. We have the opportunity to teach them and to come alongside them. So rather than looking at these behaviors that can seem like a, a nuisance, we can just say, oh, This is just like learning to walk, children learning to take the perspective of others and to share and to be kind. This is something that we get to help them with, and this is normal. Um, So this is something when I learned about the different stages of cognitive development, when I learned about Piaget, this was so impactful for me. At the time, I was working in a Head Start placement. And I remember when I went back to Head Start the next day, I had just had a class about learning about child development and these different stages. And I thought, oh my gosh, right now, this child that I'm sitting down with on the carpet with the toy blocks, he is probably assuming that the other kids know just how important those blocks are to him and that they obviously would know that he really wants to build a tower. So I was able to sit down and get on his level and say, guess what? Did you know that Sarah also wants to build something? Let's ask her, Sarah, what do you want to build? Oh my goodness, she also wants to build a castle. And it was just this beautiful opportunity that I was able to view the situation in a really positive light. And that was something that It was a memory that I still have that now, as I look back in the development of the curriculum of positive choices, and even as it continues to be developed, that really early experience for myself has has impacted and affected the way that I live, teach, and develop curriculum. I want to give a quick note, a quick caveat to all of those out there who are Piaget haters, (laughs) Um, to those people who have pointed out the flaw that comes with this concept of the way that Piaget has outlined intellectual or cognitive development. Some people say that, or researchers have uncovered, that there is definitely a range of abilities with different cognitive tasks. And so some children of course, may struggle with this area or stage, whereas others may excel. And the different um, ages, the different time frames. so pre-operational Piaget said it's two to seven years old. Of course, there are going to be children who are developing empathy and showing different points of view at an earlier stage. And so if you have two children and you have one child, when this child was you know, five years old, this child was able to say, oh, would you like to play this block with me? And mommy, Trevor's sad. And um, of course, that this is going to look different for different children, just like some children learn how to walk at an earlier stage. Some researchers point out that, of course, it's, it's helpful to have this understanding of the different stages of development, but children are different and they develop at different timeframes. And so that is, I think, really helpful to know as we compare children um, to others to know, you know what, children are on their own developmental journeys. And as we stand back and watch them without judgment, we hold space for non-judgment, we can just have the understanding that we can come alongside them and that this is a skill to build. And I think at the end of the day, that's the, that's the most important important thing. And that's kind of what I wanted to get at with integrating the concept of ecocentrism. So now that we've covered that, let's talk about empathy because I love to get information. I love to present that. And then I also like to follow that up with a now what or so what? How does that inform the way that we live, parent, and teach? So now that we know that children go through this process of understanding other people's point of view, we can start to build empathy. And so empathy really is the ability to understand and recognize 
the thoughts and feelings of another person. Um, this can also be of an animal or fictional character. And it's important to note that as we develop empathy, it is so important for children to have this. It's going to help them behave compassionately. It's going to help them cooperate with others intervene when someone else is being treated unkindly. It can help them really strengthen relationships and friendships, and it's going to help them make important decisions that are based on morals or helping them make positive choices. And so we know that we want to do this. Research points to the importance of empathy and how it can really transform the the way that children, also adults, live. And so something about empathy is that we have this incredible opportunity to help children really move outside of their own viewpoint to the in, the viewpoint of others. And it's actually noted that in some surveys, there's an indication that empathy is on the decline in our country, the United States, where I'm based out of, and also elsewhere. And so I think this finding is really encouraging parents. It's motivating not only parents, but schools and other organizations to say, okay, we need to step back and be intentional with how we can build this empathy, enhance it as children develop. And one of the ways that we can do that is through social stories. And so one of the reasons why we have social stories within the context of positive choices is it's something that we that we like to do with children. We know as parents and as teachers that reading is important and it's fun at bedtime to choose a few books and sit down and read. Or as a teacher, as a part of the curriculum, especially preschool, kindergarten, we're reading all kinds of stories with children. And we can take this opportunity doing something that we already do. We read to children and now we can just insert some questions that help us infuse empathy and help us infuse that, that skill. So we could say, gosh, I wonder how Pug, that's one of the characters of our curriculum. I wonder how Pug's feeling right now. Man, his sister just yelled at him. How would that how would that make you feel? And oh, I oh, look at Pug's face. Look at his eyebrows. They're tilting upward and he has a sad face. Yes, I think that totally hurt his feelings. What do you think? And that is in reference to the Pug Solves a Problem book. That's a scene where Pug and his sister are having a conflict. And so that is just an easy way to say, how did that make this character feel. You can also point this out in real time, in real life. Oh, how does your sister feel right now? Yeah, she looks pretty sad. I wonder why she's sad. So rather than it being, you know, we might think it's a rhetorical question. We're like, oh yeah, I mean, she's sad because you took her ice cream cone. Um, This is, if we can come at this with genuine curiosity, if we can really come alongside a child and say, oh, I wonder what this person's thinking. Huh. And something that we can do that's really powerful is if we start with where they're at. So if they naturally are developing their own thoughts and their own perspectives, we can start off by saying something like, what are you thinking? Or what are you feeling? And then once a child says, I'm thinking that I want that ball and I'm feeling mad because I was playing with that first. So we're encouraging them to really start from their own viewpoint, which is good. And we're connecting with them. If we can literally just say like within our three C's, connect, calm, collaborate, if we can ask them what they're feeling or thinking, and then if we can connect with them and say, oh yeah, you're upset because she took your ball. So we're revoicing. And again, if a child doesn't have that language, we can narrate for them and say, oh, I can tell, I think you're upset. I can see why that would make you mad that someone took your toy. So we could either narrate for them if they don't have the words, or we could say, 
and reiterate, yeah, that's really upsetting. Man, I feel upset when someone takes my ball too. So that's one way of building empathy. One of the best things we can do is just model for children what that looks and sounds like. And then we can encourage them to do the same. We can say, okay, well, this is how you feel. I wonder how she's feeling. And then if that child doesn't know, then we can say, Oh, I can tell that she's feeling sad. Let's look at her face. Oh, her mouth is tilting downward. She has a tear on her face. What can we say to help her feel better? What can we do to help solve this problem? So something that you can do a very practical tip as you work with younger children is just to ask them, how do you feel? What are you thinking? So get their perspective and then ask them, I wonder how this person feels. I wonder what they're thinking. And then you can help a child be a part of the solution or be a part of the next steps by saying, I wonder what they need. I wonder what we can do to help this person or this child feel better. And then you could also say before that, if they're not quite in that space where they're ready to say, oh, I think that Sarah, I keep using that that name. I think that Sarah would really benefit from fill in the blank. We could say, well, what would you want? Or if you were upset because someone took your ball, what would you want them to say to you? And this child might say, I would want them to say sorry and give me a hug or, you know, I mean, and then once they're able to identify what they would want, then you could say, I bet that might be something that Sarah wants. Let's ask her. Let's try it out. So, and again, of course, once children hit the age of seven, it's not a magical age where all of a sudden they're empathetic. I mean, even grown adults, we are still having plenty of opportunities for growth as it pertains to empathy. Um, So this is a lifelong skill that we're building. And again, one of the most important things we can do is model it for children. So even while you're driving on the freeway or down the road, if someone cuts you off, you know, kids are in the backseat, they're always listening. You could say something like, goodness, that person driving who just cut me off, Maybe they have to get somewhere. Maybe they're upset or something must be going on for them because that's not the right way to drive. So we can just start to model little little ways that we're extending grace and, and, and having empathy in our interactions. And then children will start to pick up on that. And then also we can extend empathy to them when we say, oh, I know, gosh, that made you feel upset. Come here. Give me a hug. When we can do little acts of kindness, little um, opportunities where we take on their perspective and we verbalize it, that is really when we're going to see kids take this concept and they're going to take off with it. And as we talked about from the top of the show, using social stories is one way to do that. If we're able to take this opportunity while we're reading Goodnight Moon or whatever, whatever story you're reading before bed, if you can start to say a very simple question, I wonder what this character's thinking. I wonder what they're feeling. And as we start to ask these questions, we're allowing them to build that muscle, to build that skill of empathy, and we help them move through that stage of development. Now, as a fun aside, there is a video clip. It's on YouTube. I will link that video in the show notes, and it actually shows a study that they did, a video of a researcher interviewing a child. They have this little diorama in the middle of the table. And the researcher asked the child, what do you see from your side? And there's a mountain and a 
I think he calls it a goat, but it's a deer. It's adorable. And the child describes what he sees. Then she flips the little thing in the, in the center of the table around. Then he can see a, a different set of animals, a different scenery. And he can. she asks him, what do I see? And then he points out what he sees in front of him rather than what he just looked at, which was moments later in front of him. So that is so cute. If you're someone who likes to watch and nerd out on these things as I do, you can certainly check that out in the show notes. And I just want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to have this conversation with me, to think about what egocentrism looks like in childhood, how we can continue to extend grace to not only children, but also our partners, our co-workers, um, how we can just really extend grace, model empathy. And when we model empathy for children and adults alike, we are so much more likely to see that returned and to see that skill developed. If you enjoyed this episode, we would just love it if you could rate it, write a little review on Apple Podcasts, and share this episode with others. Let's make this world a kinder and more empathetic place. Thank you again for listening, and I hope that you have a great week. I will chat with you soon.